once a company is big enough where the business owner doesn't have time to run the company in a big picture sense, keep track of all the day-to-day business and generate sales, the business owner will figure out that there's just not enough of them to go around. And for many, this is where they decide they need to hire a salesperson. And if this is you, you won't want to miss this episode. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. One of the most common times people reach out to me is when they're at capacity and decide they need to hire a salesperson. The company has grown. The business owner has a lot on their plate. They're overseeing the day-to-day work. They're working on the behind-the-scenes stuff, like getting procedures and processes ironed out. They're working on marketing probably at this time. And a team is really starting to come together. But they're still needing to generate sales and continue the growth and they can't seem to do all that stuff at one time. Those, you know, All those things are happening, and they're just running out of time. So the call I get goes something like this, and I've gotten this call you know, more times than I can count. But here's how the call goes. Brian, I need to hire a salesperson to keep bringing in more work because I just don't have time anymore. But I've never hired a salesperson, so I'm just calling you to see if you have any suggestions. And, of course, I always have some questions. And the first question I'll ask is, Have you ever been a salesperson before, not including your role drumming up business for your own company? Have you ever managed a salesperson before? Now, generally I ask these questions when I say, have you ever been a salesperson before? They'll say, well, yeah, I do sales now. I do sales for my company. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about, have you been a salesperson as like an employee, for example? So generally they'll say no, but I've done sales for my own company. And then I'll ask, have you ever managed a salesperson before? And they'll say, well, no. I'll say, have you ever trained a salesperson before? No, I guess not. Do you have defined metrics or objectives for this person? And the answer always sounds something like, yeah, I figure they should be able to bring in another $150,000 to $250,000 a month or whatever the number is. The number's not really important here, but they'll, they'll spit out a couple numbers. Yeah, I think that they should be able to do this. I mean, that's less than I'm bringing in. I don't have any experience at all. So a good salesperson should be able to do at least that amount. And I'll say, no, 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 no. I mean, metrics, like how many calls is it reasonable to expect them to make each day? How many follow-ups should they make each day? How many conversions from cold calls should they have to warm leads? How many warm leads should turn into buyers? How long should a sales cycle take from initial contact to first purchase? You know, stuff like that. And to that, the response is usually something like, well, shouldn't a good salesperson know all that? I mean... I don't care. They just need to produce. I don't know what all those things are. They just they just need to bring in the money. And this is where the conversation usually takes a detour that they didn't expect. And it goes something like this. And, and um, 
this is not, I don't mean this to sound like a, a negative thing. It just, there's some very specific things that we need to know to manage salespeople because it's a really difficult job uh, position to manage. So especially for those entrepreneurs and business owners who have little or no sales experience, seemingly the most logical decision in this situation where they're just out of time is to hire an outside salesperson. But in most cases, when a business owner has no outside sales experience and they've come to me with this idea, I've told them that this may not be the best, best decision for you. In almost all those instances, as I've made this statement and, and gone on to explain my reasoning, the expressions on their faces goes from like bewilderment, like, what do you mean, to dread? <laughs> like, oh, I get it now. And that, and you know, I don't like what you're, I don't like what I'm hearing. So to be clear, I'm not suggesting that hiring a salesperson is never a good idea. That's not the case at all. I think there's plenty of times where hiring a salesperson makes perfect sense. In many cases, though, the business owner is avoiding working in a sales capacity themselves because of a few things. Now, one is they believe they should be the the CEO or the president of the company, and they'll just delegate things they don't know how to do or don't want to do, which, to be sure, is sometimes the case. There's no question. Sometimes, though, they aren't fully aware of what they don't know about the sales process for their service or what it should be, or they can't really articulate the process. So in those cases, oftentimes they'll minimize how important this role is, or they haven't really thought through the necessary details of what, of what it would take to hire and train and motivate and, and you know, mentor this, this role. And for some folks, working in a sales position just scares the hell out of them for one reason or another. And I get it. You know, if you're, if you're doing outside sales and you're out cold calling and you're out trying to drum up business, it's not always fun. It's, it's, uh, it's a big uh, bit of a, a shot to the ego to go out and be told no a bunch of times when you're a business owner and you're a somebody. Like, that's not, that's not always fun. So you could be saying to yourself, you could be saying to yourself, you know, what do you mean they shouldn't be the CEO and delegate things they don't know? Of course they're supposed to do that. And I agree. There's plenty of things that should be and can be delegated without specific intrinsic knowledge. I just don't think sales is one of them. And when I talk about sales, I want to be really clear here. I'm not talking about selling the customer calls and we go to their house, they bring their stuff to us and we sell a job. That's not what I mean by sales. I mean going out and finding people who have no idea who are who we are, no idea who our company is, and turn them into buying clients. That's what I'm talking about when I say outside sales. So sales in that capacity is not one of the things I think that the CEO or president can can delegate without real hands-on, firsthand, intrinsic knowledge. And I would just ask, like, how many CEOs of Fortune 1000 companies do you think there are who are not masters of selling their product or service? I'd say the answer is probably zero. Same with marketing. In almost every case, the presidents and CEOs of companies come from the sales side of the business. Now, why do you think that is? I mean, imagine the CEO of Hewlett Packard or Ford or Microsoft or something like that not having any relative experience in sales and not being able to be called in as the closer to a giant customer like this this person of course has to be the person who can close the deal when the when everything is on the line this should be one of the best sales people we have so if you don't have any relevant sales experience other than selling your service as a business owner as one of the many hats you've worn which is not the same as being a salesperson planning your weekend sales knowing what a full day in sales should look like knowing when it's the best and the worst times to call on prospects 
where to find this endless supply supply of leads we're going to need. If you don't have that knowledge firsthand, you might not be qualified to manage a salesperson in any organization, um, let alone as the as the CEO of your company. If you've not done a sales job firsthand, other and again, I'm going to get into this a little bit, but I don't mean just popping in to clients while you're on your way to do something else as a business owner. That's not the same thing as representing a company as a salesperson who has to plan their week, their day, and have structure to what they're doing to to generate long-term amounts of uh, of clients, right? So if we don't have that firsthand, we're just not maybe qualified to manage a person doing that. Now, it sounds, again, I know it sounds kind of counterproductive. We're told all the time we need to delegate tasks to people and we need to be this, we need to work on our business, not in our business. And I agree with all that stuff a hundred percent. However, it's really difficult to manage a salesperson if you don't understand where the breakdowns are, if you don't understand the struggles they face, if you don't understand the reality of their situation. So if you've not sold your product as an employee or representing yourself as an employee in your own company, meaning you don't tell people you're the business owner, it's really difficult to know what reasonable expectations to set for a salesperson selling your product for your company. Among other things, you won't know how long it takes to fill their funnel of prospective clients. They're not just going to, you're not just going to hire them. They're going to walk in the door with a list of prospective clients. That's not how it works. They're going to have to go out and, and build this funnel. You won't necessarily know how long the sales cycle is for your clients, for your company, for a salesperson. Like from the moment they first, the salesperson first meets the prospect to the time the first dollar is earned, how long does that take? Is that, is that 14 days? Is it 95 days? Is it six months? Like, what does it take? How long is the sales cycle for your clients? What is the sales cycle like? What if they're repeat customers? Like, what does that look like? What are the specific objections they're going to face that they will need to be prepared to overcome? What are the specific things the clients are going to say or prospects going to say when they're saying no? What's the conversion rate you and the salesperson should expect? What kind of tracking is going to work best? Are you going to use a CRM? Are you going to do something different? What kind of revenue is it is it reasonable to expect them to bring in? And in what time frame? Like, what should the first 30 days look like as far as revenue? 90 days, 180 days, a year, etc. If we don't know this stuff because we've done it and can isolate and, and show, here's what I did, here's the specific actions and activities I did to, to generate this result, then luck just plays way too big a factor for me in that scenario. So the kinds of sales you're hiring to do is not the same as you, the business owner. Again, this is not the same. I'm not talking about the same thing as you just stopping by while you're in the area. Hey, there's a big customer there, a prospective customer. I'm just going to stop in and introduce myself. That's not the same thing. Or calling in some old clients you used to do some work for. That's that's a common kind of business owner thing. Hey, we used to do tons of work for those guys when I worked for Brand X. I'm going to stop in and introduce myself. They don't have at least one major benefit when you you have when you're making those kinds of calls. One is they, they don't get to present themselves as a business owner, and that is going to have a big impact on their close rate. It's just not apples to apples. If you think I'm wrong, when you're making your sales calls, you're doing these stop buys, and you're just saying, hey, this is a customer I used to do some work for. Stop by and introduce yourself, but, but don't call yourself or present yourself as the business owner or the founder or the owner or the president or the CEO or any of those other names we use to indicate our rank. Introduce yourself as just a salesperson for the company and see if that impacts 
your close rate. See if that impacts how warmly you're received by that prospect on a cold call. It, of course it does. If you don't have that, that rank, it is going to matter how they respond when, when a salesperson shows up versus a business owner showing up. It's different. And it's different just stopping by while you're in the neighborhood than planning out an entire week and an entire day of like, I'm going to go here and then there and then I have to follow up with this person I, who I spoke to three weeks ago and, and putting structure behind that. It's not the same thing as just these random pop-ins. Without having specific knowledge about how to make a salesperson successful long-term, business owners routinely establish goals and requirements based on their best guess or arbitrary wishes for revenue goals. Like, oh, I don't know, they should be able to do 150000 a month. So business owners in this situation will just assume a good salesperson will naturally be able to meet or exceed these expectations without giving much, if any, consideration to how reasonable the goals are and what the specific metrics are involved to, to achieve those goals. So that's one kind of category of issues is just not having enough practical experience as a salesperson or representing yourself as a salesperson to know the mechanics and metrics that you would need to teach to somebody. The next thing I hear people do is they talk about hiring a salesperson and they kind of want to merge a sales role and a marketing role. Like, I don't know, I'm just going to hire somebody to do sales and marketing. Well, sales is a people business. Sales is all about relationships. Marketing is a numbers business. So I'm not saying the person doesn't exist out there who could do both really well. What I'm saying is the likelihood of finding somebody who can do both those things exceptionally well is really small, in my opinion. People who are really good at marketing are good at metrics and numbers and data. People who are good at sales are really good with people and relationships. Those are not the same skills. So trying to find a person to do both those equally well is going to be hard. You got to pick. You want a salesperson who can do some marketing or you want a marketing person who can do some sales. But this idea, I'm going to hire somebody who can do both really well. I just don't think that's uh, that's realistic. Another thing to to be aware of if you've never managed an outside sales position is out of all the numerous types of employment positions I've managed in my career, without question, the most difficult to manage and the most expensive to get off the ground is an outside salesperson. Under the best circumstances, with an experienced sales manager in place, average to above average outside salespeople are hard to find and keep motivated and productive long term. The freedom and autonomy of this job that that comes from doing outside sales, from a salesperson deciding each day like how and where to invest their time without the accountability of having to be at a specific location at a specific time or even coming to the office. Some roles, they don't even have to come to the office or some roles, they come to the office in the morning, they roll out and they're gone for the day or sometimes they got to be at the office at seven or whatever time, go do their stuff and come back at 4.30, like whatever that is. But they can be anywhere they want. They can be wherever they want um, at whatever time they want for the most part. And this makes it really difficult for many people in that role to stay focused and motivated, especially if they've not done this kind of job before. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen people who are seemingly driven and motivated gradually or quickly in some cases just become hard to get a hold of and a hard time explaining what they did all day. It's the freedom that they have is like, is like heroin. I'm telling you, it's just, it's unbelievable when, when there's that little dash of freedom, like, well, Hey, I, I went to my kid's t-ball game at three o'clock and like, nobody noticed, nobody cared. Like nobody was calling, asking where I was like, Hey, what's, that's pretty cool. And next thing you know, they're coaching the t-ball team and they're Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they're there at three o'clock and it's six months before you even know, or you have to, you know, really micromanage and get GPSs involved or whatever. Um, 
my point is it's a it's a very free role and people have to be extremely self-motivated or you have to work really hard to keep tabs on them and keep them motivated and 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 it's just it's difficult it's the most difficult position i've ever managed cuz you can't micromanage this person cuz you want them to be happy and you know enjoyable to be around and stuff like that on the other hand if you if you're if you allow too much latitude they some people will just abuse it and next thing you know they're having lunch with their, their spouse four days a week and they're just hard to get a hold of it's it's just it's just a challenge so in many cases the problem is with this is you won't even know these abuses are happening this abuse of their time is happening until the pattern is really well established and it's been happening for a long time I can just tell you from personal experience it's really hard to stay on top of that stuff unless you're really micromanaging. And you're not going to have a dedicated sales manager. You're not going to have time to regularly check in with them or personally make sales calls with them all the time or or just see how things are going to the degree you would like. You're going to have a million other things to do. So you're not going to be on them to the degree that you would need to be to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. So it just it's extremely challenging. Um yeah, again, the this the the um the, the requirement for the uh, continuous accountability and dependence or relying on them to be self-motivated, it just can create a, a, a perfect storm for failure. And uh, I've just seen, I've seen really good employees move into these kinds of roles and not do well. And I've seen people who thought they could do well, who didn't have experience come into this from outside the company and not do well either, because there's just, there's, they have to be self-motivated. There is not, there isn't, implied structure in this kind of role. So people who need structure are going to struggle. So then you might say, okay, well, wait, Brian, you mentioned average and above average salespeople. I'll just skip those folks and I'm just going to hire a, an excellent salesperson. And then I won't have problems with the stuff you're talking about. And uh, my response is, okay, you can absolutely do that, but it's going to cost you. A really good salesperson is going to command a salary of around 100000 per year minimum, maybe 150 minimum nowadays with, with salaries where they're at. And this is why I mentioned that getting a salesperson's role is one of the most expensive endeavors you're going to take on, because if the compensation for the the position you you create is going to be have a heavy commission component, how are you going to entice a successful salesperson to work for you if you can't explain what the conversion rate is, for example, based on firsthand experience? If you can't explain what the sales cycle is from firsthand experience, a good salesperson is going to ask those questions. Well, how do you know how long a sales cycle is? Well, that's just my I, I think that's what it should be. Why would they leave a high-paying job they can count on to take a chance on a position in which you're only estimating the compensation based on completely hypothetical situations? Highly skilled salespeople are not going to make that leap unless their job's in jeopardy. And right now, people's jobs aren't really in jeopardy. And at this point in time, good salespeople are staying where they're at. They're making great money. Why would they leave that to take a chance somewhere on completely hypothetical things that we, that we can't explain from personal experience? Or are you going to pay that high salary and not have a heavy commission component for, in the beginning? You're going to pay that high salary from the start date to entice them to come work for you and then take a chance of them not bringing enough, enough revenue to make it worthwhile, like not even to cover their own salary maybe. And if they don't have direct industry knowledge, how long is it going to take for their training? I mean, are you going to, are you going to hire this person with a high salary and while they're just learning the nuts and bolts of your industries for 90 days, you're going to, you're going to pay them 25 grand or, or 35 grand? for three months, that's a big investment before they even start, you know, trying to bring in customers. And besides your gut feelings and dollars, like what criteria are you going to use to make a hiring decision? 
if you don't have knowledge firsthand of the specific mechanics involved in prospecting, converting cold calls into warm leads and follow up and all that stuff, how would you even know what sales or what questions to ask in an interview to see if they're a good fit? Specifically, if they're coming or especially if they're coming from another industry, how would you even know what questions to ask if you hadn't done this role yourself? So in most industries, it's going to take around 90 days for this new salesperson to fill their funnel with prospective clients before you can really expect them to close anything more than a random deal or two. So now we're three months into training and we're 90 days, you know, another three months into filling their funnel. So we're six months in or 50 grand into your experiment before we can even begin to see results of their investment. And if your hire turns out to be a dud, it's going to take you somewhere between 90 days from then and six months from then to figure that out after, after they hit the road. So that means your total investment with this person would be somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy-five dollars to $100,000 a year before you can decide if it was a good decision or not. And the worst part is if this person doesn't work out and you want to fill this position again, now you get to spend the exact same amount of money and do the exact same thing with the next person. So that's what I'm saying when this, when I talk about how expensive this is, it's oftentimes 90 days to train. It's oftentimes 90 days to fill the funnel and it's at least 90 days to see from then, like if they can convert, I mean, that's, that's nine months. And you might say, well, we don't need 90 days of training. Okay. Well, it's still six months. It's just, it's really expensive to get this wrong. So then some people will say, well, fine, I won't hire a, a top-notch salesperson with a high salary expectation. I'll hire somebody who I can spend some time training and they don't have that, that salary requirement. All right. Well, what are you gonna what are you gonna train them on? What skills will you teach? If they don't have you know previous experience in a sales role and you haven't done an outside sales job, what sales skills will you teach? What challenges will they face that you'll be prepared to help them with? And if the results are poor. What will tell you how to fix it? Or how would you even diagnose where the problem in the process is if you haven't done the process yourself? Or you're just going to say, well, that didn't work out. And six months later, we're going to fire the person and start over somebody else. And again, we're, we're, it might be a lesser dollar amount, but it's still an expensive venture. So how is a person supposed to invest more time in sales when they're already over capacity when it comes to time? Well, I'll just tell you what I did is I just carved out two or three days per week and I just did sales. But I did it full time. And without the advantage of pulling the owner card. Now, I would, now, if people ask me if I was a business owner, I wouldn't lie and say no. I would say, if I would answer the question honestly, but I didn't present myself as a business owner. Now, in full transparency, I had the advantage of having years of sales of experience prior to doing this for my own company. But this is how I would do it if I was to do it now. I would probably, I would carve out a couple, three days a week, and I would just go do sales as a full-time salesperson. I would have to map out my week and I'd have to map out my day and I'd have to get familiar with how you make follow-up calls and how soon and all those things we talked about earlier. And this is going to mean you're probably going to have to lean on, promote, or even hire some additional operational help. But here's the thing. In most cases, not only are operational positions easier to manage, but hiring a person to work in the operational side of the business is oftentimes less expensive. You can hire an entry-level person, for example, and promote a good employee or a series of employees you might have to promote two or three people, hire the entry-level person and bump a couple people up who have the skills necessary to take over some of the supervisory duties you have now. But taking this route and promoting employees on the operational side will have a, a net cost, which is much less than filling the sales role. And it'll give you the experience to be able to make a really good hiring decision and be able to really manage that salesperson well once you kind of know the ins and the outs of this sales role. Besides cost, another benefit of promoting operational staff is your existing 
knowledge of their skills and abilities. You know what their blind spot are. You know what their what their weaknesses are. You know what their what their yeah blind spots are in the business. You know what they're going to be exceptionally good at, and the things they're going to need some struggle. There are some they're going to struggle with, and you'll know where they need assistance. And you can oftentimes help them through that stuff over the phone. You don't necessarily have to be on the job site to help them through this stuff. Oftentimes, they can explain things to you over the phone really well, and you can walk them through solutions. You can't really do that with a salesperson. A salesperson can't call you in the middle of a conversation with a prospect and say, what do I say here? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Now, often, you know, if, if a potential client has a customer that they can answer, of course, they can go outside and call you. But my point is, that's not something you can you would want to replicate over and over and over again with the salesperson. You want a salesperson to go out and do the job on their own. That's the whole point. We're an operational person. You can help them over the phone, and it's not really a big deal. In addition, you're more likely to have success with promoting the operational team member than finding a salesperson. So your long-term costs are going to be lower because they're less turnover, meaning if you have a person on staff who you know what their strengths and weaknesses are, you can promote them to a position that's not going to be over their skis, not set them up for failure. You're going to know what they can handle and you can kind of cater some things to that. You can cater your, you know, you can schedule your sales days around days of the week where it might not be beneficial to have them do this thing. You can have, uh, you can break up their supervisory responsibilities or a few different people. It's just easier with operations people than it is salespeople. And you'll get a chance to see how these people perform in a leadership role. It's a great audition for people who might be great supervisors or managers someday. Other reasons, in my opinion, it's better to perform the sales function yourself, at least for a while, is because you can gain a tremendous amount of first-hand knowledge about what uh, competitors are offering, how your service and quality stack up against competition, and how our pricing compares as well. You can't possibly get a true understanding of that when you delegate a sales position and you don't do it yourself. As a business owner, if your salesperson says, hey, Brand X is offering a better price and, and is beating us on service, According to these, these prospects I'm talking to, you might flat out dismiss them because it's a salesperson that you don't really trust. You don't hear the passion or the matter-of-fact manner with which the customer or the prospective customer tells their version of what's happening in the industry unless you hear it firsthand. You might be knee-deep in operational challenges, and you may tell yourself how it couldn't possibly be done any cheaper, any faster, any more cost-effective than you're already doing it. And this might lead you to assuming that your salesperson just isn't doing a good job of selling your product or, or, or your company. So in, in, it's just important to understand that in many ways, organizational um, efforts in efficiency and improvement are often driven by sales demand. Companies will improve because their customers demand it. And if you as a business owner are running operations and you're not hearing that from the client, you're not hearing that from the customers or prospects, you might stifle the ability of the sales team to push operations into making necessary improvements to keep up with the market or pricing or service or whatever. Uh, because if the business owner has the final say on whether or not operational improvements are going to be made, how could the sales team, who again, you might not trust because they don't have any experience or they don't have industry knowledge or whatever, how could they have any kind of meaningful ability to influence the business owner's decisions if the business owner is running operations, the salespeople come and say, here's what our customers are expecting. And you say, well, that's just not how, that's not how we do it. If the business owner doesn't hear directly from the customers who are buying or not buying, the business owner will often default to their own knowledge or assumptions of being correct. Now, I, I tell you, I, as an employee, I saw this happen firsthand where a business owner was being told, like, here's what our clients are saying that they can get from brand X. And he kept saying, that's, that's not true. It's not possible. It can't be that way. And it took exactly one conversation with a, a potential customer 
where he, they said, here's what we're getting from Brand X. And they, they pulled out the invoice and like, here's it. Here it is. Here's the proof. And he, he went from in one conversation being adamantly against this thing to come back to the office and saying, we need to fix this tomorrow. <laughs> My point is, that was a great experience for him as a business owner because he got to hear from the client firsthand. He didn't believe anybody until then, but all he had to hear is one time and to know that the customer wasn't BSing, that they were right and they were telling the truth and the company had to make an improvement and the company did and they were better off for it. Um, another thing to keep in mind is again, going back to this, you know, when we represent ourselves as a business owner, it's just different than representing ourselves as a salesperson. Once customers find out you're the business owner, they will describe things about your business differently than if you're an employee. I call this the ugly baby phenomenon. If you've ever encountered a a mother who had a really unattractive baby, it's not very likely somebody's going to say, oh my gosh, that's a really ugly baby. But if you found out it was the nanny with the baby, you might not be so apprehensive. Now, most of us probably wouldn't say anything in either case, but my point is there's no question that people, including your customers, will withhold potentially unpleasant truths depending on who's present in the conversation. They're going to say things to the salespeople they wouldn't say to the business owner. Because they know if you're the owner of the company, they'll be, they're just, just going to be much less likely to tell you things that are negative because they don't want to hurt your feelings. That's just the way it is. So if there's a problem with the service capacity or pricing or warranty or some kind of uh, a thing this prospective customer might might believe, they're going to kind of hold their feelings back at least a little bit in order to protect you, the business owner, from the embarrassment of being told that your business, which they know is like your baby, has a flaw or is simply not a contender in their business for, it, for their business for whatever reason. It's better to present ourselves as a salesperson to find out what the customers really think than presenting ourselves as a business owner. Now, is that 100% true all the time? Nope. Sometimes you'll hear things as a business owner you wouldn't hear as an employee. But generally speaking, I think that people are more likely to be honest about negative things with a salesperson than they are the business owner. And one of our primary functions as business owners is to identify areas that our business needs improving. So uh, I'm not saying you can't ever say you're the business owner. I'm not saying I I haven't ever been told things that are really bad about my company as a business owner. I have. But when I presented myself as a salesperson, I heard things just more casually, just more kind of off the cuff, less um, cautiously than when people found out as a business owner. People tell me really direct things as a business owner, but they were really more cautious about it. It wasn't quite as uh, free, I guess is the way to say it. So am I saying that you have to be a full-time salesperson forever? Absolutely not. But what I am saying is you need to be able to articulate, educate, and train each step of the sales cycle based on firsthand experience. If the customer has this objection, we have to say this back. We have to know how to sell well enough to coach an employee whose performance has slid, which is going to happen sometimes. You can't be 100% on every day as an outside salesperson. You're going to have peaks and valleys. And we have to know how to coach people through that, which again is really difficult to do if you haven't done the job. We have to know the sales process well enough to know how to diagnose which step is causing a performance problem. It, you know, there's like five or seven steps in this in the sales cycle from an outside salesperson's perspective. If you can't diagnose where the, the hiccup is in that process, it's going to be really hard to manage people. We have to be able to teach about overcoming objections, like I said, from real experiences, using real prospects, real experience, real customers. We have to be able to sniff out reality from a bogus story you're being told by a person whose job it is to convince people of things. So you have to be able to, to tell when a salesperson is telling you something that's not quite right. You got to be able to kind of sniff through that. And you have to be able to understand the emotional roller coaster that is outside sales. In order to empath, empathize and motivate, you have to understand, like, you get told no 35 times in a day. It sucks. And pretending like it doesn't or shouldn't is just not realistic. Like, there's going to be days they're going to call and just say, 
I don't know what to do. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm batting zero today. And if we don't have their perspective of having gone through that, our reaction might be kind of a suck it up buttercup kind of thing when that's not really the appropriate response. So uh, before we move on, let me tell you real quick that if you prefer video to podcast, you can get every one of these episodes on Rumble. Just go to rumble.com and look up service industry success. That's the name of everything I have, the book, podcast, uh, the website, the Rumble page, the YouTube page, like everything is always service industry success. So just go to rumble.com and look up service industry success. Every one of these episodes is on there if you like video better than audio. So just keep in mind in every case, nearly every case, the presidents and CEOs of very successful companies come from the sales side of the business. And why is that? Because again, imagine the salesperson or the CEO of Hewlett Packard or Microsoft not having real life sales to be able to close the deal with a really important client. Like they just, it just doesn't make sense. It wouldn't work that way. So if you don't have relevant sales experience, other than selling your service as the business owner, as one of the many hats you've worn, which is not the same thing again as planning a sales week and knowing what a full day should look like and understanding when follow-up should happen and when's the best and worst time to call in clients, where to find the supply of endless supply of leads. You might not be the person qualified yet to manage a salesperson in this kind of capacity. Uh, let alone in your own business where you have a emotional attachment um, that is sometimes kind of makes us look through rose-colored glasses a little bit. If you've not sold your product as an employee or representing yourself as an employee in your own company, you can't really know what reasonable expectations to set for a salesperson selling your product for your company. If you haven't done it yourself in some kind of capacity, it's hard to say, like, here's what the expectation should be. And we can't just throw out random numbers and say, well, I'm doing $400,000 a month and I don't know anything. They should be able to do at least half that. Well, maybe, maybe not. You, they don't have the relationships you've had in the industry. Uh, among other things, you wouldn't know how long it takes to fill up their funnel, how long a sales cycle is for your clients, what the specific objections are going to face, what the conversion rate should be, what kind of tracking mechanism you should use, what kind of revenue is expected or could be expected reasonably in, in certain time frames, like 30 days, 90 days, 180 days, all that kind of stuff. Um, a salesperson, uh, you hire is just not doing the same kind of selling you are as a business owner. It's not the same when you just stop by to see a prospect while you're in the area versus them mapping out and planning out a whole day. It's not the same thing as you calling on some old clients you used to work for and them doing that without any kind of the context or the relationship. And they won't have the benefit of dropping the, the, the title business owner, which is going to have a major impact on their close rate and how people are receptive to them even showing up. And again, if you don't believe me, like go do the, do a day as a business owner in sales and a day as a salesperson in sales, and you will see the difference. I promise you, um, without having uh, specific knowledge about how to make a salesperson successful long-term business owners will routinely establish goals and requirements based on their best guess or just arbitrary wishes for revenue growth, which are not always appropriate. Um, and business owners in this situation will just assume a good salesperson will just know this stuff and, and naturally be able to meet or exceed their expectations without giving them much or any consideration to how reasonable the goals are or what the specific metrics are involved in, the, in achieving those goals. Uh, again, keep sales and marketing separate to the degree you can. Hiring a person who's good at sales and equally good at marketing is just, that's a really tough ask, I think. Uh, but it's something that I hear pretty often. People say they want to hire a sales and marketing person. Like, so we go knock on doors and bring in clients. Oh, and by the way, they're going to take care of all our marketing stuff too. Two completely different skill sets. Uh, and just keep in mind, out of all the positions I've managed in my entire career, and I've literally managed hundreds of people in dozens of different kinds of positions, 
Outside sales is the most, without question, the most difficult to manage of all of them. Uh, so again, for how would you do it? If you're, if you're a person who's just like out of time and you need to, you need to get a, a salesperson hired. I'm just saying what I did, I carved out two or three days a week and I just did sales full time as a salesperson without call, pulling rank as, as a business owner. But again, I had the advantage of having, if you know, several years of experience of, of doing sales prior to that. So I kind of had that. You might have to do this for several months, you know, until you can do the things we've talked about to, to lead a person, manage a person, you've got to understand it yourself. Uh, this is, of course, going to mean if you do more sales stuff that you have to lean on some operations people, but that's that's okay because it's less expensive. They're easier to manage. You 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 can handle this stuff over the phone in many cases. Uh, you can you can give them it's like a tryout for supervisory and management roles. Uh, other reasons, in my opinion, it's better to perform the sales function yourself at least for a while is you get some knowledge firsthand of what the comp, uh, competition's offering as far as quality and service and pricing and, and response time or whatever it is. You can't really get that when you delegate this position. You're just not going to trust your salesperson to be telling you something. You're going to assume that they're soft selling or over or exaggerating things. It's way better for you to hear it directly from the, uh, from the customers. Uh, and just keep in mind, like companies often improve because their customers demand it. Like this is this is kind of how improvement works. So if you as a business owner are running operations, you might stifle the ability of the comp of the company to, and and stifle the ability of sales to push the company into making improvements to keep up with the market and service expectations. And I'm just telling you, if the business owner doesn't hear it directly from the clients or potential clients who may or may not be buying, they will just default to their own assumptions being correct rather than taking the customer's word for it, translated through a salesperson. Uh, once customers find out you're the business owner, they will describe things about your business differently. I, I call this the ugly baby phenomenon. It's just different experience when people explain things to you. They won't tell you certain things that they will tell a salesperson. And there's just no question uh, if there's a glaring problem with service capacity, pricing, customers are just going to hold their truly feelings back a little bit because they just don't want to hurt your feelings. They know you're going to be embarrassed. So just understand that that's the way it is. So um, introduce yourself as a salesperson, not as the business owner, to get a real handle on this stuff. And you want to know what it's like to be a salesperson in your company, not a business owner selling in your company. So uh, all that being said, am I telling you to be a salesperson forever? That's all you can ever be? Absolutely not. I'm just saying you have to be able to articulate, educate, and train each step of the sales cycle based on firsthand experience. You have to know how to sell well enough to coach an employee through a situation where their performance has slid. They're going to go through slumps. It's just going to happen. It's part of sales. You got to be able to coach them through it. And you can only do that, in my opinion, if you understand the, the, the roller coaster they're on. You have to know the sales process well enough to diagnose which step is causing a performance problem through as one. You have to teach about overcoming objections, and you can only do that from real-life experience. You can't teach overcoming objections from hypothetical situations. It just doesn't work. And you have to be able to sniff out bogus stories you're being told by a salesperson. <laughs> and uh, again, you got to understand the emotional roller coaster they're on because it is a roller coaster ride, and you have to be able to empathize and motivate. So uh, anyhow, I know we went a little long today. I'm sorry for that. Um, this is just one of the things that comes up a lot, and it's important that people understand what they're getting into when they want to hire a salesperson. That's why I'm saying... Give it some time of you doing it yourself so you can really excel at teaching, educating, training, and motivating these people. It's, it just makes it way easier and you save a ton of time and frustration and money. So anyhow, uh, don't forget, check out the Rumble page if you like video better than pod, podcasts or you want to share this with somebody uh, with uh, using that URL on the Rumble page. Just check out Service Industry Success on Rumble.com. 
Uh, also, if you uh, if you can, which you can because it's super easy, just take a second and share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. I really appreciate that. Give us a rating review. And uh, that's it for this week, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>